Hey, housewives, come on in. You know the dirty dishes are still in the sink from yesterday and the laundry is still in the basket. Pop your AirPods in and make yourself at home here. I'm Tracy. I'm Tori. And we are your Unlikely Housewives. Stepping out in faith and believing that God calls the unlikely, we are here to show you the appreciation and validation you deserve, lead you to authentic relationships, and release you of believing the cultural lies to restore your faith and wellness. Pull up those high-waisted yoga pants, tighten your top knot, and reheat your coffee for the third time. Turn up the volume and let's go. Hey, housewives. Hey, hey, welcome back. We are here. It is a beautiful day. Inside. Kids are back in school. And yes, <laughs> no matter when this episode comes out, just know that we're working off fumes because our kids have not been to a full week of school yet. Not yet. And mm-hmm. it is the end of January. Yes. So just have grace. And if you went through that season with us, we were with you and we hear you and we're sorry too. Yeah. So <laughs> anyways, but Tracy's going to introduce our guest for today. Yes. We're so excited to have Corey with us. I'm excited because this is just another one of those connections where a friend says, hey, I love your podcast. You absolutely need to meet my friend and have her on. She has so much knowledge in years of wisdom that she's already been sharing, bring her to the podcast and let all your listeners learn from her. So we have Corey Lauritsen. Yes. All right, right. I did it. Here (laughs) with us today, she leads her own business called Conscious Not Crazy and focusing on parenting. Um, She has led parenting classes on human behavior for 10 years now, which I'm sure that's ebbed and flowed through all the last few years. (laughs) And it's her passion. She knows that there's no manual or guidebook. I think we've referenced parenting not having a manual a few times on our episodes. And so you get to talk to us a little bit more in depth about what it means to parent conscious and not feel crazy, right? (laughs) Yes. It's so funny because I came up with that name. Yeah, it was over 10 years ago with my dear friend, Bree. She owns a school. It's Brianne Bongiovanni. She owns Bambini Create TV in Martin City. But it all started with me. I had toddlers at the time. And I was struggling and I felt lost and we I was grasping at all these different books and there's just so much information out there. And what that led me to was a conversation leaving Lifetime. I was at the Lifetime in Overland Park at the gym, kicking my break because I was home with my toddlers. And I was working out for a couple hours while they were in the child center and I was venting to another mom. I'm like, I just don't know what to do with this kid. And it's my oldest. He's a great kid, very strong willed. So not the easiest to parent, but all of the great qualities that will just make him into a great human someday and super independent. But it was really hard to parent. And I just felt like I was in power struggles with him constantly. And this other mom was like, hey, you need to go check out this school. She started telling me about it. And she said they use conscious discipline, which I had never heard of that because I had heard of love and logic and all these Um, other things. Yep. And so I immediately got in my car. I will never forget in the parking lot of the gym. I mean, this, I was just desperate. And I called the school and Brie answered the phone and I scheduled a tour. So within the next week, went on a tour of the school, enrolled my kids. At the time, my daughter was not quite, I think she will, she was almost two. And because this was in the summer and my son was four. 
And so we enrolled him at Bambini. And that first day, you're taking your kid to a new school. They're like, where are you taking me? I don't know these people. And it's an amazing environment. I mean, it's not like anything else. It's bright. It's colorful. It's small. Like, it's very intimate as far as it's a great feeling when you take your kids there. But I'm looking at Bree. I'm walking in the school and I'm looking at her and he's having a fit. He's grabbing and holding <laughs> on to me. We all know I, that feeling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm almost in tears. He's in tears. And you have that guilt. You're like, what do I do here? What's best for my child? What's like, I, I don't. And I just looked at her. I said, tell me what to do. And she goes, leave. I said, okay. And I handed her my kid and I left. And from that moment forward, I just really started. I, I began this long amazing friendship with Brie. And I learned a lot about the school and conscious discipline. I started diving in and reading all kinds of books. And I laugh because I don't really, other than that, I don't really read a lot of parenting books. I read a lot of self-help or business books, but all of those concepts really apply. It's all human behavior, right? Yeah. And I also have a background in education. I've taught kids age two up through high school. And I ended up, so my kids were at that school for a total, gosh, my, my daughter was there nine years. My son was there seven because she started when she was mm-hmm. two. And I just learned so much as a parent. And I have nothing but gratitude for that experience. And what that led me to was what I feel like is my passion and my calling. And it was like, gosh, I can't be the only parent struggling with this. Yeah. And how can I provide support or connect with other parents that might be experiencing the same thing? So what that started was, was like a parent, Bree's like, well, you can come to the school in the morning and we can have coffee and donuts and we can invite parents and you guys can talk about the struggles. So it started like that. And then I became a teacher at the school and I taught there for six years and working in that environment on a daily basis and working with little people, you just learned so much about human behavior. And I had the opportunity to roll with the same class of kids for three years. So we started when they were age two and three, all the way up to pre-K. And it was just, again, an amazing experience. And so that led to me actually diving in and just saying, I want to teach a class on this. More people need to have this information. This has been so helpful. It's been life-changing for me, for my family, for my kids. And there's just this better way. And other people need to know this. So I started the class just ignorance on fire. Like, I'm just going to get the information, get it out there. And it evolved. It evolved. It. I have eight. Now I've done it for 10 years. I have a following from the school. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, more people need to know this. Mm-hmm. And I see a real deficit in society with kids having coping skills. Yeah. You hear everyone talking about anxiety and depression with kids. And I do. I just think there's this lack of ability to cope. I don't think kids are given enough opportunities for failure. And it's hard. My, I was telling you guys, my kid left his lunch at home yeah. today. <laughs> and I'm looking at it because I'm headed out here. I'm like, dude, I can't bring you your lunch. And my heart wants to go take him his lunch. Absolutely. But then my head tells me I'm not serving him. He's resourceful. He's strong-willed. We know that, right? Yeah. So he's going to have to figure it out. And he's at a new school this semester. So I did download the lunch app, but I don't think there's any money on it. And I'll I don't still have, feed him. So I was like, dude, figure it out. And he goes, hey, mom, I'll just borrow money or I'll get la-. And I, I trust you will. And yeah. that's where that grit comes from. That's where that ability to problem solve comes from. We have to allow our kids to have those uncomfortable moments. And they're not going to. I always tell myself, he's not going to die. Yeah. Like, nobody's dying here. And just have faith 
in him that he'll figure it out. But just too often, I think we want to save. And that's not doing our kids any favors in the long run. Well, because then they don't know how to do anything. No. It's just like one of the things that at the time, I'm an only child and my mom, if I wanted a play date with a friend to go to the movies or whatever, she'd be like, okay, find out the movie, find out how long it is. And this is this is back in the day when you had to look at a newspaper for movie times. And she goes, call the movie theater, find out how long it is because the credits and everything like that, the previews, the trailers, it's not actually listed in the newspaper. And then she goes, how much money? Tell me what friend you coordinate it, get, make sure that their parents are going to drop them off and then we'll do it. And like, that was it. Like it was all. And then I'd be like, it's this movie, it's this time. But like that made me more capable of things right. than just, well, let me buy you the movie ticket, darling. And let's go online. And, you know, I'll buy that and then I'm going to drop you off. And here's the time I'm going to pick you up. Like, no, I had to figure all that out. Yeah. So I think kids are actually doing a little bit more of that now, more so because they have their own communication with each right. other. So it, it the planning thing is happening. It's just the uh, resourcefulness and the financial piece and the drive and the ride. They wait well, until 10 solving. minutes before and they're like, hey, can you take me here? I already have plans. I'm like, wait, were you going to tell me that? Right. <laughs> well, my kids do. My son, he's so funny because yes, just yesterday, he's like, well, mom, we're going to a movie at 730. And mind you not, it's a school night, but, you know, they haven't been in school. So he's probably just assuming they're going to have another snow day. And I'm like, wait a second. You're telling me. I'm like, let's let's re- let's try that again. <laughs> like, you got to step back. We got to we got to ask. First, you ask. You don't have the means. You don't have the money, and you don't have the transportation. Yeah, he doesn't have a car yet. So yeah, we have lots of conversations. I just yes, there's just a better way. I think as parents too, we take it personal. Kids get upset when we tell them no or we set boundaries, but it's the most loving thing we can do. Absolutely, and it's just educating. I believe in general, all parents want what's best for their kids and they're doing the best with the toolbox there that they have. Yeah. And we're usually or typically doing whatever was done with us when we were raised. Right. So we have this CD-ROM and we have all have our own triggers. I'm also an only child. Mm -hmm. So we have that in common. But yeah, we have our triggers like I'm by nature a people pleaser because I was probably praised a lot for looking a certain way or acting a certain way or being polite, but that can be a real detriment or problem later on in life because who am I? What do I want? And I want my kids, obviously you want your kids to be polite. You want your kids to be respectful, but there's a way to do that that doesn't have them catering and and walking on eggshells around other people trying to please other people because ultimately the only person we're in charge of is ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And so and I hear a lot of blame out there in the world and lot, uh, very little accountability. So that's a big one for me is when my kids blame. I'm like, wait a second, who's in charge of you? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what hurtful thing someone said or did to you. You can only control how you respond to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your reaction is yours. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of conversations like that. We talk about being offended as a choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it is. And you're, when somebody says something, is it true? Well, no then what does it matter? Yeah, right. It's just words. Like, we grew up on sticks and stones may break my bones, but, but words, words will, will never, never hurt me. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like that. So what? Your sister said that. I don't care. It's mm-hmm. not true. Or or so it is true. 
if you're offended, then that hits something. Right. Maybe you should be nicer. That's a you problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, here's my theory. I have this pendulum theory, and it's my favorite like analogy for what's going on in society. And like we were raised, just like you said, children should be seen and not heard. Mm -hmm. Do as I say, not as I do. Don't feel bad. Don't be mad. Don't cry. Don't feel your feelings, basically. So suppressed emotion, right? And now those adults are raising kids and we don't want them to feel the pain or have the, I'll call it trauma. It's not trauma as an abuse trauma, but there's still trauma. Yeah. There's, there's emotional trauma from being raised in maybe a shameful or judgmental environment. And we all had some of that. And again, our parents, I don't shame or judge my parents. My parents did the best they knew how with the mm -hmm. tools they had. Right. And that was just a societal thing. That's just how it was. Now, because of that, we have a lot of grit. We're resourceful. We can problem solve. But there's this undealt with emotional trauma. So now those adults are raising kids, right? So we're now we're over here and we're helicopter parenting. Mm -hmm. We're saving them. We don't want yep. them to feel the pain. Everybody wins. Everybody yep. gets a trophy. Don't offend anybody. And that's not serving them. So where we need to get is somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. And what the middle looks like is recognizing emotion. Because emotions are valid. Emotions are real. And they serve a purpose. Every feeling or emotion has both something positive that comes from it and something negative that can come. So basically like an impairment or a benefit. And we want to teach our kids to find the benefit. What's the benefit of fear? Well, it's to keep you safe. I mean, mm -hmm. that was just like a survival skill back way back when when they're hunters and gatherers so you don't get eaten by the lion. <laughs> but there's emotions are, are good. Like so when a child's two or three and they go knock over the blocks and then their friend's mad, that's normal. You're going to be mad if you worked really hard to build this huge magnetile structure and your friend just comes and knocks it over. But what do we do with that? Little kids just lack tools and skills and the ability to articulate their feelings. So we have to coach them in that. And what that might look like is, oh, did you want to play with that? And they're like, yeah. So assuming the best oh, that was mean, that was hurtful. Why did you do that? That's judging the behavior from our perspective. Instead, we want to enter into these circumstances and situations and notice the behavior and assume the best. You wanted to play. Did that look really fun? What do you notice about their face? Do they look happy or sad? Yeah, they look sad. You, when they're real little, you have to give them the language because mm -hmm. they don't have it. And then it, it changes. But even with teenagers, my daughter, when somebody's left out, they have all of Snapchat and they can see where the kids are. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, how does that make you feel? How do you think your friend feels? Mm -hmm. But I'm not about managing my kids' friendships at that age. That's not developmentally appropriate either. And I've had some conversations with some mom friends on that because I noticed they're like telling their kids they have to invite friends because they're friends with the mom. And I said to one of my good friends, I said, look, I said, I hope your relationship's stronger with your friend. I hope they would understand. I would never expect someone to invite my child because I have friends and our kids aren't friends. Yeah. And that's yeah. okay because kids have to figure that out. And also not forcing them like, yes, somebody's going to get left out. Mm -hmm. And at some point, my kid's going to be that kid. So it's my job to support them and coach them on how to deal with that because that's real world. That's well, real stuff. My husband and I were actually just talking about that this week in referencing the fact that when your kid makes a mistake with a friend, maybe isn't very kind or struggles with that relationship, you take on this like personal feeling of, oh my gosh, it's a reflection on us or our parenting or whatever. 
And that was a used to be thing for us. We now at this point, because we've walked through enough with our kids is like, yeah, our kid was mean. That sucks. They're going to have to figure that out. And their parents better like us still because it has nothing to do with us. It's what my kid did in the moment. It is hard because when they're little, you're developing that relationship with the adults based on your kids' friendships. But as you get older, you can pick your own friends. You don't have to necessarily just only have friends that you're kids are friends with you know the parents if that makes sense <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. but it is it's not a reflection on who we are like we have to let go our kids are going to fail and they are going to make some major mistakes they already have and they will and it's not a reflection of who we are no not because at all. you have that's why the nature versus nurture thing i is bonkers because you can have two kids raised in the same household that turn out completely different. I mean, check out all those serial killers, brothers and sisters. Like, they're normal. <laughs> right. 95% of the time. No. I, I listened to True Crime, yes. You <laughs> would know. Yeah, just, yes. But, like, it's that kind of thing. It's like, you're responsible for yourself. And it's natural we want to blame somebody. Yeah. But also, it's like, hey, it's the murderer's fault. Like, it's not the parent. I mean... There's things that can lead into certain things. But again, there is this personal responsibility. You have free will. You get to choose what you listen to, how you behave, how you act. You don't have to act on every emotion. You don't have to act on every lust, desire, pain, purpose. Like you don't have to. And that's the point where we have gotten past where people think that they, oh, well, no, I I just because I have the feeling I need to act on it. And they're like, no, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, a big part of what I talk about is managing our emotions and modeling that for our kids too. Because kids, what we say, again, we can tell them all day long, do this, don't do that. Mm -hmm. And tell them how to make good choices, how to work through problems. But really what they're doing more than anything is watching what we do. Am I holding the door when I walk into a restaurant for the elderly person ahead of me? Am I saying please? Am I saying thank you? Am I being respectful? Am I being triggered when somebody cuts me off in traffic? So everything I do, they're watching. They're watching even when we, how how often am I on my phone? I mean, that's a big one for all of us because we have these devices and are on us all the time. And I do a lot of work on my phone. So I'm, it it makes it challenging because I'm telling them to get off their phones and then I'm on my phone doing work and I'm not always doing work. I go down the rabbit hole too. Yeah. Parenting just helps me kind of, yeah, like I need to do what I say I want them to do so I can model that behavior. All right. So I have a question. Let's go back to when this all started. Yeah. Your kids were still young. Yeah. And obviously the school and the experience and the environment that you were in was very helpful in creating this. Yes. Already heard that you read more self-help and business books, which actually it's interesting that you said that. We just had some people on at the beginning of January from the uh, Strong Family podcast. Mm-hmm. And the husband modeled the same thing. Like they they have these like family meetings and rules and just all kinds of things modeled from a business. And but it's creating such a a respectful environment and, and so forth. So my accountability environment. Yep, yep, exactly. So my question really kind of goes with you were raising kids as you were sharing. So clearly your wisdom and knowledge has grown. Right. How was it received when you started? Like you said, you just kind of, Brie had invited you in for a coffee. Yeah. And to talk with parents and then it's kind of developed. So talk a little bit about the journey. So yeah. So in the beginning, I was awful. I was just trying on this new thing and it was 
awkward. It was uncomfortable. One of the sayings we say with the kids, because I told you I worked in this school too, is, are you saying that to be helpful or hurtful to help them be in touch with what was their intent with that comment? So I'm not judging it. I'm asking them questions. Mm -hmm. And what's great about that, one of the things I learned is when you ask kids questions, you're getting them out of that emotional state of the brain and into the prefrontal lobes where they have to think and they have to be more present. But yes, it has definitely evolved. It takes practice. It's like you go to the gym and you lift weights, right? You're not going to see the results of that that first time you do it. It takes a lot of repetition. It takes repetition. Your kids don't trust you. The first time you come home and start using this language or trying things on, they're going to look at you like you're a weirdo. Like, what is going on here? This is different. But once you consistently do that, they start to even pick up on the language to where they would look at me and be like, mom, is that helpful or hurtful? Mm -hmm. So they would say the same thing. So it definitely has evolved. And the biggest change for me, because I used to get triggered and just go hide in my laundry room. Like when I was trying to do all this, I was like, I don't know what to do. I know that my instinct of what I want to do is not the right thing. So instead of doing the wrong thing, I'm going to do nothing. And that's usually where I tell parents to start. Oh, that's me. Just, I'm a shutdowner. Just don't do anything because it's better to step away because if your cortisol spiked, it takes time for that to come out of your body. Just like it takes time for your kids. If they're in fight or flight, it takes a minute for them to come out of that. So the number one skill to do any of this is composure. So learning how to stay composed when you're triggered. And then the deeper side of that is understanding your own triggers. And once you get to the point where you can understand your own triggers, you're less triggered. And I am finally, it's crazy. It's the craziest feeling to not be triggered. So my son was playing his video games. This was not long ago. And I told him, I said, I was creating a boundary. I can't make another human being do anything. I can't make my kid eat. I can't make my kid go to the potty before bed it, when they're little. I can't ultimately make my son get off. His, I mean, his video game minus taking it. So I said, look, you've got 30 minutes. You need to get off of it. You need to get a shower. You need to get bed and get ready for school. Now, mind you not, he's 15. I go, if you choose not to, I'm going to come unplug it. And he's in the middle of some Fortnite game, which I don't <laughs> even get Fortnite, but whatever. And I don't want to do that. I'm like, oh, like as a parent, you're like, I don't want to do that because I know what that means. It's going to be this, it's this blow up. And like you would anticipate that. Yeah. But I'm like, I said I was going to do this thing. I've got to follow through. So 30 minutes passed. And actually, it was probably 40 minutes. I probably gave him 10 minutes longer. And I walked in. I was like, I noticed you're still on your game. And I unplugged it. Lost his marbles. Was yelling at me. And his dad and I are currently going through a divorce, too. So things are, we're understanding a whole new set of dynamics, right? Sure. So he starts throwing at me. Well, I'm just going to go live with dad. I hate you all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't mean it. He doesn't yeah. mean it. And I just looked at him and I am genuinely, it's so bizarre, guys, because I would have been triggered. Seven years ago, I would have been triggered, especially based on my own personal circumstance yeah. and the change in our family dynamic. But in this moment, I just looked at him and I'm like, he is not his behavior. Yeah. I see where the behavior, he's mad. I just took something and he didn't like it. Okay, that's cool, dude. I love you. And I just looked at him and I was like, I love you. And I walked out of the room. There's no conversation that can happen. I went in my bedroom and I was reading or doing something. And 10 minutes later, he, I could hear him rustling around in the room, being mad, saying stuff. He comes in, super remorseful. He's like, I love you, mom. I'm sorry. And I go, it's okay. I go, there's nothing you could say that would make me not love you. I go, but let's talk about that. Yeah, you were upset. I go, that was hard for me to 
do that. Like, that's not fun. Mm -hmm. I don't like following through and doing it, but I have to do that because I saw that you couldn't manage that. So I had to offer support. So what do you think we could do next time? And then that's when the conversation happens. When he's calm, I fortunately am able to remain calm now. But yes, it did not always look like that. It used to look like me hiding in my laundry room. Well, you know what's funny is I'm like picturing so many of these moments too, because I mean, I'm easily triggered having four kids and just it's chaos and it's either I get angry or I shut down. That's one or the other. And it's gotten better as the kids have gotten older. I think it for for mamas with littles and toddlers and the amount of stimulation that is always happening. Like, yes, there's just a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Like we just feel like, I mean, they're blowing up. We're blowing yeah, up it's so hard. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what you just said was really interesting because referencing teens, having older kids now, it is more of a wait and converse later. Like nothing gets solved with a parent or a teenager mm-hmm. in the moment. Not a single thing. It's my husband stops me and goes, Tori, stop arguing with a nine-year-old. And I'm like, because I, I just, I look at it and I just, I, I blow up. It is absolutely just a, a feeling when the kids are not, like, didn't respond or you did set the boundary or you announced, hey, I say announce, freaking Alexa's ruined me. I tell the kids to make come an to announcement. Dinner. Yeah, you make an announcement for people to come to dinner or whatever and they don't come and you're like, Oh, boy. (laughs) How many times do you have to repeat something? And it's like, did you listen? Like, and you continue to do what you're doing. You're literally jumping rope in the dining room. And I have asked you to go upstairs and brush your teeth three times. And you're not. Tap into all of this. Like, go back back to a lesson that you've taught. Whatever. Let us know how we can parent our children without repeating ourselves a hundred times. Yeah. (laughs) One one word I would put in your vocabulary is notice or see. Like, so I would say... Just noticing behavior because you're able to notice behavior without a child feeling judged. So you're more likely to get compliance. Here's an example. You're late to work, right? You're late to work. You've had a crazy morning. Your boss has no idea why you're late. But you walk in the door and they're like, why are you late? What's going on? And you immediately feel attacked and judged. And maybe you have a legitimate reason for being late. Maybe you were walking out the door and your dog jumped up on you and you spilled coffee all over you and you had to change for a meeting. But there's some reason because it's not your norm. No different with our kids. It's, again, that positive intent. Like, if someone said to you, I noticed you were late. Is everything okay? Your defenses are down. You're going to get the truth from the person. You're going to have a conversation with them that's going to feel much calmer. So I noticed you're still jumping rope. Like, you can just notice the behavior. And I noticed that I've told you, like, and notice that you've maybe repeated something. But... A big thing is creating boundaries. Like I told him, I created the boundary. I said, I can't make him do anything. But if you're continuing to jump rope at this time, we'll have to put the jump rope up and you might have that for a week. I don't want to have to take that from you. But if I notice you're still using it in five minutes when we're supposed to be having dinner or whatever it is you're supposed to be doing, then I'm going to have to help you. So we're going to have to put that away. And if I put it away, it's going to be put away for longer until I know you can manage that. I used a lot when my kids were little, those visual timers, the sand timers. Oh, yeah. Kids like choice. Kids feel powerless because we're telling them we got to go. We got it. You need this. Turn the game off. So setting them up for success is huge. Hey, we're going to have to leave because I have to go here. Do you want to leave now or in five minutes? Okay, who wants to go turn the sand timer? Because now you have buy-in and they have some power and they have had a choice. When I would take my kids to the park when they were little, Do you want to leave now in five minutes? And they didn't even, but I would set a timer on my phone or whatever. But sand timers are great because they're visual and they Mm -hmm. can see them. 
my kids used to like to watch a show before bed when they were little. And bedtime's always just, I feel like, the witching hour, right? Yeah. I remember my kids running circles because they had a Jack and Jill bathroom and I was just like sweating, like, just please go to bed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. And I have two totally different kids. I have one kid that's super compliant, easy. I will, will say easy, challenging in different ways, but easy when it comes to that stuff, but challenging in other ways. Maybe not as verbally processed things like her, like her brother. So it's harder to know where she's at, whereas we know exactly where he's at all the time. But yeah, just noticing behavior is a big one, setting boundaries and giving them some power in the situation. Because if you're doing something and somebody just rips the rug out from under you, we don't like that. Yeah. We need some warning, some preparation. So they need that too, because they even have less of an ability to cope with that. And they don't feel like they have it. They feel like they're being told where to go all day long. Well, and I think it's it's discipline, not from a do this or that like discipline, but teaching them discipline. And hey, if you're to leave at 1030 to get to church on time, we're leaving at 1030. Dad does a really good job with that. Mom, not so much. I'm like, how about 1036? Yeah. (laughs) The point is, is that you are teaching them not just boundaries, but discipline in yeah. Listen. And it, well, it's not it's not choice. It's not choice consequence. It's literally they have two choices and there is a consequence to either choice, but it's not or I should say do this or else like there's this punishment. I talk about two positive choices a lot. Do you want me to turn the timer? Do you want it? The more choices we can give kids in these little moments and also be playful and silly. Like a kid doesn't want to put on their shoes, right? Like to go somewhere. Well, do you want to put on the left stinky shoe or the right stinky shoe? Like mm-hmm. things like that. Just making it silly. I was so much better. I did all that when my kids were little. Now that they're older, I'm like, I don't have, I got time for that. <laughs> I need to be yeah. more fun and playful with my children as they're older. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks different. It looks more like sarcasm. Yeah. Oh, we, we have, have a lot of that. In we our house. have a lot of sarcasm <laughs> yeah. in our house. Yeah. We have a lot of that too. Yeah. It is fun. It's just a different playfulness. Yeah. And we still have to have respect, but yeah. it's fun to see it evolve. But it's so amazing because I do feel like my kids, because they did grow up in this environment, they were parented in this way. And again, I was never perfect. I don't do what I do to judge other parents. I did timeouts. We spanked our kids. Like mm-hmm. we did it all. We did it all wrong. That's why I just want to be helpful. Like if you're struggling, because when you just yell at your kids or you give them this ultimatum and you don't fall, it's just what comes after that is guilt. Yeah. It just guilt, you know, or it just like my son had guilt. He was yelling at me. So he felt the guilt and the aftermath of that. I don't want him to have to feel that either. But you have to feel it to learn it, to understand it, to change the behavior. So... So, yeah, I do it because I'm just like, there is just a better way. It feels not crazy. And that is where the name, it's like, I'm present, I'm conscious, I'm intentional. I'm intentional about what I'm saying. I'm intentional about the boundaries I'm creating. Because of that, my kids have a lot of, I would say they're pretty high functioning as far as their social awareness in group settings and understanding like there was a kid, because you'll have parents, they'll come to my class and they'll be like, well, that kid's just mean. And I'm like, no, that kid there, what's going on with that kid? There's no mean kid. Maybe his parents are getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's something going on in his life. You just never know someone's story. And for a teacher or an educator or another parent to judge that child breaks my heart. And so I really try to coach parents like, no, coach your kid on how to manage that. So the kid's poking him, right? So there's a kid in his class. This was a couple of years ago, poking my son. And then my son got in trouble because he turned around and said something really loud and got the teacher's attention. So usually that's the behavior that's that's noticed. 
So what that should look like is pulling both kids. Hey, I noticed you were shouting at him. What was going on? What happened before? What happened before? Because then you get to the root of the problem. You coach them on managing this, whatever's going on. And typically, so I asked my son, I said, does the kid, the, the one that was poking you, does he have a lot of friends? He's like, no. In his mind at the time, he's like, he's kind of weird. I'm like, okay, well, let's let's not say weird. I'm like, maybe he's sad and he wants to have more friends and he doesn't know how to do that. And he's trying to get your attention. And he's like, oh, yeah. And so sometimes my kids will tell me stuff's going on. They're like, well, they're just sad. They're just hurt. They actually recognize the emotion behind the behavior instead of judging the behavior, which is really cool to see. That is awesome. I think that's probably something that is still I mean, it's new that the thought or concept of that is new. I don't hear a lot of people talking about noticing people's behaviors versus the way they're feeling. There's a lot of feeling talk out there. Yeah. But not the behavior, why they're feeling that way. Right. And I think we're in the world we're in because we're not seeing people's. You just have this generation of people who I'm just thinking of the people how you cannot have a logical debate with anyone anymore. Well, everybody's offended. Right. Everybody's offended because of ego. So really, ego needs to be set aside because we think, I'll give you an example. You wear a dress or an outfit to some place. You know how you go get dressed again? You're like, did I wear that last time? And then I tell myself, I'm like, nobody remembers what I wore because nobody thinks about you as much Much as as you do think about you. Right. So Mm -hmm. as people, we take things personal because we think it's about us, whether it's in a relationship with another individual or your child. Their behavior is not about you. Just like you said, your kid's behavior is not a reflection mm-hmm. of you. So you should never judge a parent based on their child's behavior. One You're... of the, the examples I always use because it, it just has made such an impact on my life of letting that go is that even the most perfect parent, God, in the Garden of Eden, he still had two children that disobeyed. Because again, free will and choice. Yeah. Like it does. It's not a reflection of God. He is still good. He is still perfect. He is still all knowing. It is not a reflection. Those two had a choice. They were walking with him and had a choice. If even God's kids are screwed up, a.k.a. myself, (laughs) then I feel pretty good. Well, in the bottom lines, there's no perfect. There is no perfect. Yes. It's just my only goal and what I tell my kids is I just want to be better than yesterday. So as a parent, I could go back. If I really went back and thought about how we handled behavior when he was a toddler, I would want to go sit in a corner and cry because we did not handle it well. I didn't know what I was doing. There's no manual. Like you have a kid. I talk about this in my podcast. It's like you have a kid and there's no instruction manual. Everything else in life, you get an instruction manual. But like the biggest thing, the most important thing, another human being, there's nothing. And so you do the best you know how. So I could sit and cry and think about that and think, but that doesn't serve me. God wouldn't want me to do that. He would just want me to do better than yesterday. And I love the analogy of you can't drive a car looking in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. The windshield's bigger. Look in the windshield. Yeah. And so that's what I can control. That's what makes me feel power. So that's why I do this because I don't want people to feel what I felt yeah. or to have to fight that wanting to go back because I... You go back and look at pictures of him when they're just like two and three. And I think, oh, man, when he was so hard. And I'm like, wow, he was just a baby, just a baby. But when you're in the thick of it. Yeah. It's It's hard. It is. Yeah. Okay. so tell us, because now we're at the point where you've been doing this a while. Yeah. You're bringing it to a podcast. I am. I am. So, yeah, 
it came to me about, gosh, it was probably about a little over almost a year ago. And it was funny. I, I started getting very, as I said, intentional. And one of the things, I was driving my car one day and it was like, what would my life look like if I gave up TV? Because I was like, I just felt like I was using that personally. I was like to check out and cope. So my own little coping mechanism. So I gave it up because I'm like, what could I do? Like, I need to do something greater. And it just feels like I finally have come into what I feel like is my purpose. And I feel confident in it because I've done it so long. I've worked with so many ages of kids. I was blessed to work at this amazing school. And Bree, the owner of the school, has just been an amazing mentor to me. And I went on like a 10-year personal growth journey throughout this process. So yeah, so I decided, I how do I reach more people? And the best platform at the time, not knowing anything about podcasts, was to do a podcast. And I'm like, I'm just going to do it. And so, yeah, I'm doing it. It's <laughs> exciting. Well, yeah. we can tell you it's a learning curve, but it is rewarding. And when you start to hear people and, and get those messages like, thank you for sharing. Like you already said, you met the woman at Lifetime Fitness in the beginning and you were, I feel this way, too, where I'm dealing with this. That's how we started. And that's yeah. exactly how this is going to go for you. You're going to be sharing all these tips. And it's like, OK, I'm already like a couple of things that you've said. OK, I want more of that. So people are going to they're going to find you and it's going to be super encouraging. So obviously podcast is coming, but you also have a new class that's coming up in March. Yes. So I used to do the classes monthly throughout the school year. And I really because I was teaching at the school and I would really promote it to the school. And I had this little following and it was fun. And we would do the classes at the school. We would do them at Yaya's over in Overland Park at the restaurant. I might have had 30 people come to a class. And the parents always loved it when it was dinner and like more of like a date night. Mm -hmm. And I love it when both parents can come. If both parents can't come, sometimes I would have parents that one would come to one class, one would come to the other. But what I did was a series of eight classes throughout the school year. And now with the podcast, it's a great platform where I can share information ongoing. And but I do want to build into that. I love the one on one connection, the atmosphere of the community. I love parents being able to come and share and feel comfortable sharing specific circumstances or struggles they're having and we actually walk and talk through them and it's great for other parents to hear those too yeah. when I have those parents that are willing to share because it just you don't feel alone because being a parent can feel really lonely sometimes and so yeah I have an event coming up March 3rd at Yaya's and it will be a dinner so I'm doing it a little different it'll be fun there's going to be some I'm big on kids having that entrepreneur mindset. So I'm inviting some of my friends that have started their own businesses that are entrepreneurs. So there'll be some fun giveaways and parents can have dinner. They can have a cocktail. It can be a date night out. You can bring a girlfriend. It doesn't have to be both, you know, whatever, whatever works for you. But yes, the space will be limited. But yeah, I'm going to what that'll look like is there'll be time to socialize. I'm going to start my first topics, the why behind behavior. So we're going to talk about how the brain works. And it's not just me throwing information at you. It's literally me giving you some information, asking questions and giving people an opportunity to ask questions so we can dig a little deeper into some specific situations and circumstances. And then at the end, we'll have about an hour to mingle and socialize and shop if there's some fun stuff there. So yeah. You've got a special promo code for yes. our listeners if they want to attend, want to share that with them. So yes. So the promo code you'll get 10% off your ticket is CNC. So the abbreviation for Conscious Not Crazy. So CNC 10. 
Perfect. And we'll put that all that information in the show notes awesome. for you, housewives. Yep. And that'll be 10% off the registration to class, yes. right? Yep. Great. The yep. registration to the class. And it'll include dinner and the presentation. So, yeah. It's so exciting. We're so excited for what's to come for you Thank personally, you. Corey, and your business and the podcast and the classes. And I don't think we got the podcast name. I mean, well, obvious, but yes. what, can you tell us what the <laughs> podcast name is officially? Absolutely. So yeah, Conscious Not Crazy. It's funny. I have a website too. And it's so funny because I, ConsciousNotCrazy.com, my website domain, I've paid for the domain for 10 years. And I would tell myself, I just knew there was something in me. And I was like, I don't know what this is going to be, but it's going to be something. And I would literally tell myself that in my head every year when I would go to pay for the domain name or every couple of years, however I did it. And it was so fulfilling to actually go and set up the domain. (laughs) And I am grateful. I do. I feel like when you step into what you're meant to do or what God called you to do, it's crazy how the stars kind of align. And I have so much gratitude for you guys and admiration for what you've done, but also for all the people that have kind of entered my life throughout this process. So it's been really amazing. And I want my kids as a, again, I'm modeling the behavior of my kids, right? I want my kids to see what that looks like. Yeah. Like having a dream or having something you're passionate about and giving back and mm-hmm. what comes with that. Well, and your kids too see that, oh, this wasn't overnight for mom. Like, no. mom, this started 10 years ago when mom dropped us off at preschool. Yeah. And the teacher said, leave. First <laughs> of all, I have to tell you, that's so funny because I am such a believer in that. And to this day, I still remember this story from my father in law. He used to serve in the church nursery way back when, when they lived in Texas. And he said the kids that had the hardest time during that hour were the ones that parents lingered the most. He goes, we could never get those kids to calm down. The parents that could drop their kids off and say, here you go. Even if they're screaming, crying, he goes, within two minutes, I could have that kid. They're fine. And he goes, but it's the ones that are like, oh, well, I love you. Goodbye. And do the long drawn out. (laughs) I'll I'll be right back, Susie. I'll be right back. Okay. Are you okay? Are you sure? And he's like, those kids had the hardest time coping with the hour. And he goes, but the ones that got like, bye, love you. (laughs) But they knew mom and dad were coming back. And it's just, but that's the example of it, like in real life. Like, Mm -hmm. but parents don't see what happens when they're gone. Yeah. We feel guilty for just saying, bye. But it's better. But it's, it's the, better. And it teaches, like you said, it teaches them their own coping versus like, let me just hold your hand a little bit longer. And also telling the kids, like, and as the teacher in that classroom, when I became a teacher there, it's like, you're safe, you're loved, mom and dad are going to come back. Let's yeah. Say, but we're going to have fun. Like, it's just, you got to rip the bandaid off. You got to yeah. rip the, and right. the, and the problem is when parents linger, the longer they linger, every time it's different, right? So the child thinks, well, if I stay sad longer, maybe they'll stay a little longer. So it becomes this unknown. How long will maybe... This is a dance. It is. Right, yeah. and, right. And it's always different. Whereas if it's just like that, they it becomes a routine. Yeah. And kids do really well with routine. Yeah. And they know what to expect. Yeah. We yeah. all do really well with routine. But January's not been very good. No, for not amazing. <laughs> oh, I've my de- gosh. I've decided we should start Christmas break December 24th. And then just extend it through halfway through January, because at this point, we don't have any snow days in December. I mean, all of our snow days happen in January January without fail. So I'm like, okay, just make winter 
Christmas break and celebrate in January. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> that way we just knock that all out in once. So, well, but. thank you, Corey, for being here and sharing with the housewives. And again, find all of her information in the show notes for her class and her podcast that is being launched any minute. All right. Yes, thank you. Until next week, housewives. Bye. Whether we made you laugh or cry today, we pray you feel appreciated, bolder and braver than yesterday, stronger and more faithful for tomorrow and living in who you were made to be today. Join our online community on Facebook, link in the show notes, and be sure to review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. Until next time, housewives, we give you permission to walk confidently, free, and to be intentional in your slippers or stilettos.